live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Ball at the eight-yard line on first and goal. A snap and the toss to the right. Abdul, all kinds of space. Five, end zone. He was all alone, led his way in there. Jermaine Illuminor led the way. And for the first time here in 2022, the Raiders have a touchdown. There's the snap. Stidham settles into the pocket, now races to the right side. It's nothing but green grass in front of him. 10, 5, touchdown Stidham. QB scampered for 12. He's done it with his arm and now his legs. First and goal, low snap. The pitch to Walter, running right. Cuts it back at the five. Still on his feet at the two. Drags the defender into the end zone. Austin Walter did it himself for eight yards. Touchdown, Raiders. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the week. All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Love Rebecca Black. Let's do it. Now we got three hours on the way. Actually, 2.45 on the way. This is our Friday home, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is the company. Jed and Dangerous Danny are helping out with the setup. That was awesome. We just did the last hour working with uh, Xavier Pope, a regular on Thursdays on Cofield and Company and NABJ. And then guys from VSIN in uh, FEMI. And also Pritch and Andrew Lynch from Action Network. But I, I wanted to give you a couple of minutes because, yeah. you know, we were just talking all the gambling stuff. So, first of all, this is very important, and Willie might be able to help you on this. We've got a dilemma, audience. Xavier is a vegan. This is not a vegan show. So when you ask me during the break, you're like, hey, man, where can I get some vegan food? I'm like, maybe Willie will know. I think the audience will. Like, I got nothing for you. I need some help, Willie. What's the deal? Well, my, my first suggestion, and, and by the way, before we get into the vegan talk, can I just say that the appreciation I have for the National Association of Black Journalists, because I got my start for the first eight years of my career introduction to media with the state's only black newspaper, and we were all members of NABJ. We were members of the West Coast Black Publishers Association, and uh, if it wasn't for historic West Las Vegas and the black community, I wouldn't be sitting here. So I have a huge appreciation for the NABJ. I've been well familiarized since 1987. So kudos to see it. And I remember that it's been out here. And the West Coast Black Publishers, uh, they used to come out here and they'd hold their convention every three, four years. So I just wanted to throw that in. Wow, Willie, that, that's, I, I didn't know that. Yep. And, and that's, a, that's a really great story. I, I think that that's just a testament to an organization that's really about building careers and supporting those careers. Um, of of diverse backgrounds, and that's an amazing story. Yeah. So now, Greens and Proteins is a franchise that's around town, okay. and they offer healthy alternatives, vegan alternatives. And so, I mean, if you, you know, they're, they're usually located in plazas that have gyms, and they have high-quality protein as well. Like, you can go in there and order, like, ostrich and, uh, you know, different kinds of fishes and so on and so forth but 
I believe that they definitely have a nice high-grade vegan choices with really good sides and so on and so forth. I know that there's one on Extreme West Flamingo just beyond the studio. Um, but they're around town. You Google greens and proteins, I, I would be the first top off the top of my head that I would say that's where you want to go. All right, audience, help us out. Yes. Tweet at Xavier Pope, E-X-A-V-I-E-R-P-O-P-E. <laughs> Let me know where can I get vegan food here in Vegas while I'm in town for National Association of Black Journalists Convention. I was mentioning to you during the break that uh, the only vegan food I'll eat, well, no, I eat, I eat, I eat some, but Chef Kenny is a guy who's an Asian vegan restaurant. He's got a couple of spots, so that's actually in Chinatown. So, yeah, folks, uh, send us some ideas so that Xavier can get through the next couple of days. So, so what's Vegas been like so far? You're, uh, you know, you're on with us every week, but you're on the ground now. Yeah, it's it's been great to be here. Um, in in part of it's really this great convention, but Vegas is uh, a, a great town. It's been hot, um, uh, but I I like hot weather. Um, I come from a city that's warm only four months out of the year, and then it's really cold the rest of the year. So. I don't have any problem with the heat. I enjoy. I, I was at, on the beach, uh, not the beach. I was at the pool just before I came over here. So um, it, it, there's great things to do here. I mean, there's Silk Sonics here for the week, uh, and what Elsher and Fabulous can be here this week. There's so many different things to do. So uh, not a lot of sleep. Um, no. Uh, so I did not get that much sleep last night. So. Got to hang out with Arash, our buddy Arash, who's a regular out of L.A. Mr. Vegas, as we dubbed him, just, just, to, just to annoy Adam Hill, because uh, Rosh has a bunch of sandwiches named after him here in town. Adam still has nothing. Uh, <laughs> so at NEBJ, what are some of the events? Because I know tonight's a massive night, including yeah. the uh, Pioneer Award, right? Yeah, so we have the Sam Lacey Pioneer Awards every year to honor um, those of, that have been trailed Blazers in sports, um, and either those that have been on the field or those who have covered it off the field. So... Um, that will be uh, later on tonight. Then we also have the sports task force uh, our t- scholarship jam. So we um, put, have an amazing event happening at Mandalay Bay um, over at the House of Blues. And we raise money for scholarships for students to get into sports journalism. So, Willie, when we were talking about ideas of what we wanted to do with NABJ and NAHJ, you know, I kept mentioning Friday. And, uh, and actually, we got booked for this a little later after our discussion. But I was like, oh, man, you know, the House of Blues would be great. The, uh, the jam would be great. And Xavier's like, 4 o'clock, dude. I'm done. <laughs> like, I ain't going to be around. So apparently tonight gets, gets pretty rowdy. I, I, I wouldn't say it gets rowdy, but I just am be, will be busy enjoying and shaking hands and kissing babies and enjoying my night. And I've been working all week making, making sure certain things happen. And I just kind of want to just uh, just – Chill. I got it. You're I in Vegas. I can't Vegas. remember if it was NABJ or the West Coast Black Publishers Association, but there was a convention I remember it was held at the old Alexis Park, which was on Harmon in Paradise. And there was an event set up every night. There was a mixer. And there were different places. And back then, there weren't um, – I can't remember if the, if the first hotel nightclub had been established. It, it may not have. If it was, there was only one. So there were smaller clubs, and there were some really cool jazz cl- places that they would have um, – that they would host and they would take. Um, there's a place now that's, it's transitioned into a gentleman's club, played against Sam's. But um, we would go over there, and, man, they would have live jazz. Just, just, I, it was like a scene out of Mo Better Blues. I mean, it was fantastic. So I'm sure that you're in store for a good time this weekend because they, you know, 
they usually take good care of. I mean, I would say all conventions that come to Las Vegas, they have things set up. So I bet, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, you'll be. Oh, I'll be busy. Yeah. Um, and, but I'll be busy having some fun and after all the work for, for the day. So what else have you seen in Vegas? Have you pretty much been holed up at Caesars? I, I've been in Caesars most of the whole entire time. And, uh, but I did teach yoga uh, this morning. 60-plus um, people got up at 7 a.m. My DJ, uh, DJ Rob Nice, uh, a DJ out of New Orleans, great DJ who also will be DJing our party tonight. Okay. It was a party at 7 a.m., literally. There, there was a lot of dancing, a lot of good fun. I was surprised that people, were, after a late night, got up 7 a.m. and came and did hip-hop yoga. Today is the birthday of Caesar's Palace. Huh. August 5th, I believe, 1966. Caesar's Palace opened. I even tweeted that out earlier this morning. That was back in the day. And when I was growing up here, Flamingo split the Dunes and Caesars. I put a picture on my Twitter today. You'll see Flamingo. It just it hits the 15, and you either choose to go left or right on the 15. Yeah, there was it. no West Flamingo. End of the city. And that was the classiest place back then. The Dunes and the Sands was the, was the jam session for So the, wow. rat, the Rat Pack would perform at the Sands. Okay, they would come in, they would perform. Sammy, Frank, all of When they got off their show, they'd either go to the top of the dunes for the lounge acts or down to the Sahara to see Rickles. But Caesars is where the stars came in and put together two shows a night for two weeks. There was no, like, two nights, $700 a ticket type thing. It was, you go, it was a dinner show at, like, 8, 7 o'clock, you got there for dinner. And then there was a late show, like, at 10. And this is when perform. And this is when you showed up. You put a suit on. I mean, nowadays you walk in a showroom. You know, you wear showroom. You're wearing what I'm wearing, or what, what Steve's wearing. What you're wearing yes. was the that was what you was wearing into the Caesar's <laughs> Palace showroom back in the day. Let them know how good I'm looking over here, Steve and Willie. Fresh. Well, Willie, Willie's. I'm not going to say Willie's jealous. He's a little envious that he didn't get dressed up. Willie, Willie dresses to the nines almost all the time. He's a little more cash for, for the, the show, show but yeah. he, but in the media in Vegas, he's known as like the guy who dresses up all the time. The rest of us were kind of frumpy, so he didn't bring There's, out his best stuff. You brought today. a jacket though. Steve. I did. I tried. I tried. I, I'm, I'm proud of you. I, Zay, I, I figured I was going to have to keep up with something. Let me put it in perspective for you, Zay. There are 18 Aces home games. They will not see the same suit. I like right? that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, I, was looking, I looked at when, my closet today. I was like, man, I have seven sports coats. When I, I'm an adult. When I, he's like, I got 18 suits. When I, when I, every time when I come home from a home game, it goes on a separate section in the walk-in, so I know not to go to it. Like a, like a, like a conveyor belt, sort of. I, well, no, but I do have a t my tie rack is a conveyor belt. So I hit the button, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it goes around. So there's 40-plus there's either suits and or uh, like some funky sport coats in the closet. What, what goes into you, okay, now you have all these coats. Yeah. I, I know I have a, a mechanism how I choose new suits, new pieces. Mm -hmm. How do you select something new having you know, so, so much in your arsenal? Very first thing I do when I go to my tailor is I ask, where's the double-breasted suits? Because I am an old-school guy who loves old the school. Italian double-breasted. I, I, I don't want the form-fitting. My body's not shaped for that. I, I mean, I, I work out and everything, but the midsection doesn't allow for the slim fit like that the, 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 the Golden Knights wear when they walk in the stadium. I want the old-school Italian cut. But what I will do is they'll have to give me a really big-size Euro, and then they cut it to me so it tapers. 
So I'm usually looking for the double breaster, but then I'm looking for the nice shoulder and then tapered upside down sort of triangle, if you will, yeah. coming in. Um, depends on the colors that I'm trying to, you know, I tried, I, I tend to go toward blue. I gravitate there Same. because of my eyes. I got like seven, eight different shades of blue. Um, the blacks, my mom's always getting on me. She's like, William, I want you to wear black. You look nice in the black. None of the flashy stuff. So I usually try to wear the flashy stuff just to I- irritate her. Um, but then I got the bright, you know, I got the bright red. I got the bright blue. Jed gets to see this a lot at the Aces games. So he anyway, does. when I go, it just depends. It, there's color, there's style. And here's the other thing. I usually text my guy ahead. I said, look, I'm coming in. I want you to pull seven, eight of them out. Or he'll send me pictures. And I'll go, okay, this, 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 this. And then when I get there, we, we go through the whole thing, man. I've got to go in, come out, the tri-mirror. He gets me up, pins me up. and It takes about an hour and a half, two hours, and I'll get four or five at a time twice a year. That's an efficient move, yeah. though, an hour and a half. Well, I want to <laughs> – I'm going to be out in public wearing it. Come on, bro. <laughs> I'm, not, this is, I'm not walking into pennies. <laughs> right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Could have a deal coming up with pennies. You don't know that. Okay. For me. That's fine. For you. For me. <laughs> I'm not walking you. Me. You never know. All right, Xavier, we appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. coming down. Thanks for setting up the uh, the gambling roundtable. And I, I can't thank you enough for, you know, all the Thursday spots you're doing. It adds a ton to the show. Willie knows that. Adam Hill knows that. JBT, Candy. So big fans. And glad you're having a good time here in town. Thank you for having me. And thank you, ESPN Las Vegas family. And I love each and every one of y'all. We got a lot to get into with the Raiders. So they, they won last night, but there's some points that we got to address. And I just saw a really good uh, tweet from Vic Tafer that it's about time to get an offensive tackle. That's something we got to break down because uh, last night was really interesting with Brandon Parker. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. From the eight-yard line, it is a toss to Amir Abdullah. Speed to the edge. And the season's first touchdown. Raiders offense looks just fine. You are listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Rolling on Cofield and Company, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Come on down. This is our Friday spot. It's actually our Saturday spot. We'll tell you more about that later. We got a 9A to 11A show on Saturdays with Lula Ramirez and Gooch. So, Let's start breaking down the Raiders game last night. Yeah, it's a preseason game. Yeah, it's a Hall of Fame game. But a lot of guys played, a lot more than we thought would play. And Mark McMillan, our football insider on Fridays, who, of course, played in the National Football League with the Eagles, the Saints, the Redskins, Chiefs, Niners. I think I, think I got all of them, right, Mark? I think I nailed it. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got them all, man. <laughs> so, by, by the way, before we get into anything with the Raiders, um, I hope I didn't do anything wrong the other day. You and I were out at uh, UNLV football practice, and you started talking to Aiden Robbins, their transfer running back yeah. from Louisville, who's yeah. a gigantic guy. And after you guys were talking a little bit, was I hope I wasn't. I jumped in and I was like, I just I told Aiden, I'm like, hey, this guy played in the NFL. And I, like not for any other reason. Like, hey, I just want you to know that this is Mark McMillan. Like this, he played in the National Football League. Did I do anything wrong there? No, no, you're you're good, man. You know, I just I really don't put it out there like that. I, you know, uh, but you know, sometimes I use it when I have to use it. But it's all good, man. The young man uh, uh, hit me back. He DM me. He, he appreciated the, the words That's of cool. wisdom that I gave him. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I know you guys pointed him out in practice earlier, and you know, he he's a big, solid looking running back. I tell you that. Yeah, that'd be really cool if he become one of their main running backs, and you know, gives them that 
that supersized back at 6'3 and, and 230 pounds. So let's talk about the, the Raiders last night, and let's talk about some of the personnel that played, and we'll talk about how the game went. First of all, what does it say? Maybe it says nothing. What does it say that Josh Jacobs was out there at the start of the game and, and got a good amount of action? This is the returning starting running back playing in the Hall of Fame game. Um, it says how much he wants it, and he, he's uh, proven to his teammates how bad he wants it as well. And for him to go out there and test and see how well he's feeling physically after you know putting in all the work in the offseason, uh, you know, going cold black on his social media. And as a football player, man, like anytime you get the opportunity to, to play in the game, especially the Hall of Fame game, man, you want to play. And it was good to see him out there running, and he was trying to finish defenders that they were trying to come up and tackle him. So, uh, it's just a confidence booster for him as well. And, you know, what I was impressed with was the collection of talent that was put on the field and what, as we've been saying through training camp, running back by committee, they all yeah. had that look of, uh, upon them. I mean, as far as when I say all, you know, um, we're talking Zamir White, Amir Abdullah. I mean, he had two rushes for seven yards, but – they all looked like they were running with a purpose. They were all out there looking to sort of do damage to whoever was in front of them. They all ran with a purpose. Yeah, and like I said, it's a battle. Um, you know, these guys are trying to, uh, you know, win a job. At the end of the day, um, you know, these guys are in the meeting room and, and you know, they're friends, uh, you know, off the field. But you can see last night, these guys are fighting for that starting job. And obviously, Jay, you know, Josh letting everybody know he is the guy. Uh, but those the backup running backs came in. Everybody caught the ball well out of the backfield. Um, they were extremely successful on all the screenplays last night as well. He may be the guy, but the guy at quarterback, Derek Carr, the guy at receiver, Devontae Adams, the guy, plural, on the edges, on defense, the guy at the end of the line, Waller, they didn't play. So going back to, I understand what you're saying when, when Steve said, what does it say? And you said, well, it says that he wants it. But he's not telling McDaniels, play me. The, is, there a, is there a cryptic message there that while the backups are playing, Jacobs played? No, absolutely not. You know, there were times where, you know, I remember my, my uh, second year in the league and, you know, I was out there with the first, uh, with some backups as well. So I just always wanted to play. Uh, anytime, you know, even, you know, the coach was like, no, you don't have to play. I always want to get in and just, you know, get some extra work in against live competition. Receivers. A lot has been made about Johnson. T. Johnson, he um, it was impressive the first couple of weeks at training camp. Um, I th he had two receptions last night. He was targeted five times, but still looked good. Um, they used – or he targeted – there was a number of receivers that were targeted last night that played the game, including uh, a bunch of running backs. We saw backs coming out of the backfield. Your thoughts, though, on the receiving core? Uh, I think the receiving core stepped up yesterday, um, you know, last night. You know, Johnson, man, I know uh, Adam kind of turned me on to him during training camp and every day out there watching this young man uh, perform, practice hard. Um, he dropped the pass and, uh, toward the end zone. I thought he should have caught, uh, but he did make some really good catches. And, uh, you know, on the backside, if you can look – uh, from from a player standpoint, I saw him, you know, trying to finish off the blocks on the backside as well. So, uh, you know, the receivers caught the ball well. Um, you know, they good run after the catch. Uh, so, you know, the quarterback got them the ball, and you know, they were able to be successful against a. I don't even know what kind of Jaguar team that was out there last night. So, Mark, let me ask you this: 
considering it was a Hall of Fame game, considering the Jags played, I would say, significantly less names than the Raiders because of how much McDaniels has put an emphasis on this is going to be a competition throughout the different units, how much credence do we lend to how impressive the Raiders looked if the Jags, one of the worst teams in the league last year, was playing second, third, four-string guys that aren't going to be around in a couple of weeks? Um, these guys are NFL players. Um, you know, anytime you can go out there and strap it up in the NFL game, uh, you know, you can get guys that come off the street to be able to play in the game. And, you know, whether it's a second stream, a third stream, as an offensive guy or as a defensive guy, uh, when we had to go up against the backup, you know, going into the second quarter, we tried to demolish them. Uh, we didn't show any pity. Uh, you know, we were still going out there and trying to knock their heads off. And as you see last night, the Raiders didn't slow down at all. They were still trying to pound the rock. Uh, running the offense, and and, and, in, and on the defense side of the ball, they threw in a couple of blitz packages as well. Is one of the things you're going to watch during preseason, the organization, you know, from the coaching staff, McDaniels and the offense, because they came out quick? Um, they came out real quick, and you know, like I said, it was it was bang, 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 all the way down the field. Obviously, they ended up with two field goals early, uh, but they still continue to move the football, and as a, as a coach, that's what you want to see. You're, you want to see your team execute, um, you know, everybody knows in camp that the O-line is in question. I thought those guys did a pretty good job, uh, you know, in, in the first half when they were in there. Uh, Leatherwood actually was in the starting lineup, which was surprising, you know, after all the stuff uh, we've been seeing in training camp. But, you know, I think he did pretty well also. Mark McMillan is with us, our football insider, former NFL player, joins us every Friday. So uh, before we get you out of here, let's pivot back to a little bit of college football. And you've been out at some UNLV practices. Yep. We, you know, as media guys, we talk about the look of the team. What does that mean to a guy who played in the NFL, you know, that they appear to be bigger, stronger, deeper? Um, it, it means a lot. You know, obviously, you know, everybody looks good coming off the bus in their pads. Uh, but seeing these guys getting that, a chance to fly around, be physical. Um, I love the competition that they had in one-on-one uh, team play. They were doing really good. And one thing that really stood out for me from, from the quarterback standpoint was Brunfield uh, getting on some receivers, getting on some running backs for not running the right routes. And, you know, you, you didn't see that from him last year. And now I think he feels a little bit more comfortable. Uh, he knows the offense a lot better. And he was able to really get after those guys. So uh, big improvement, Steve. You've been out there more than I have. But, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, they've definitely uh, upgraded on their size on the D-line and the linebacker position. And just as a whole, man, it seems like those guys are really getting after it. And it was hot as heck out there. Guys were falling out. Guys were falling down. But, you know, you see the energy. Those guys finished and, and kept going. When you're in the NFL, especially with the Eagles, you were around some quarterback battles. Now, you're not directly involved with them because you're playing defense. But the team <laughs> the, like the team knows, right? Like, they, or, or at least everyone on the team has an idea of who they like whether you're on defense or offense, who they like to be the starting quarterback, right? Like, you're aware of what's going on and who you think might be the best guy for the job, right? Yeah, you know, um, you know, obviously, you know, being in that position many times, uh, you know, it was always Randall was our quarterback. Uh, you know, when he was going down and not playing well, Rodney Pete was able to step in. But as, as a player, you know who the quarterback is. And like I said, Brunsfield looked really good out there the other day. Um, you know, there, it, it's a good battle, though. It's a battle that we haven't seen here uh, at UNLV in a long time. And all three of these guys, I think, can really step in and start. 
But I think Brunfield, from what I saw just in one day, and I can't judge the, uh, the whole practice off of uh, just one performance, but I need to see a little bit more from him. But as a whole, I thought they, those guys really got after it. Um, they upgraded in the tight end position. They have some really good skill positions uh, in the wide receiver core as well. So there's no reason why this team should not uh, you know, win at least six games and get to a bowl game. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I really think this team can uh, make a push to at least get a bowl game this year. So that's interesting. Mark, when he was out there, gives the, uh, the slight nod to uh, Brumfield over Bailey and Friel. I still give it to Friel. Uh, Caleb Herring, who played quarterback at UNLV, he's been out at about three or four practices. He's given the slight edge like you are to uh, Brumfield. So a lot of time left, though, a lot of time left in camp. So I, I wanted to close on this. Mark coaches a lot, and he's coached for a long time, a lot of high school players and kids who are younger than that. And I see you all the time at games on the sideline, and, and you know, all of a sudden you're like, hey, what's up? Like you know a lot of people <laughs> across the Mountain West and across the West who are playing college football. So you were actually surprised by uh, LeCarrie Pleasant-Johnson, who's a, an Arizona guy. He went to Utah. Yep. He's, I think he's already in the top six mix uh, as a transfer to play cornerback. He's not, I don't think he's going to start. But right. what do you know about him? He's a kid with pretty good size, and I think he, you know, he just didn't see a path to playing time at, at Utah, a Power 5 school, great program. And now he's at UNLV. I'm a great athletic kid, a very humble kid, um, you know, I've been knowing him since uh, his freshman year at Mountain Point High School in, in Phoenix, Arizona. So, you know, we go way back. I trained him a couple of times back in Arizona. So it, it was – I didn't even know he was at UNLV. That was the crazy thing about it. I'm thinking, like, okay, he's still at Utah. And then, obviously, you know, during practice, he comes up. He's like, Coach McMillan? I was like, yeah. He's like, yo. So, you know, I had an opportunity to talk to him, man. So it's good to see uh, those guys come in. Like, the defensive back-wise – uh, they got a lot of talent back there. They got a lot of JUCO transfers. Uh, obviously, you you had a guy that comes from from Utah who had major Pac-12 offers coming out of high school. Um, yep. He's very athletic. Um, you know, I told him anytime I can come and and help him out and give him the words of encouragement or just give him some corners, man. I, I'm all for it. And I know those guys are. I talked to Coach Arroyo too, and he was like, "Man, you say that the whole practice." Uh, you know, I just love football, man. And when I get to see kids that I trained. Uh, across the country, man. It's awesome to see. Mark, you're the man. Have a good weekend. I'll see you out there next week, okay? All right. Appreciate it. I'm at uh, Wawa Aloha, man. It's a lemonade place, man. It's amazing. So I'm giving that little plug. I'm going to make sure you guys get some lemonade, brothers. All right, we're in. We're in. There he is, Mark McMillan. Was hanging out at practice at UNLV the other day. and You can see it. You can see there's better competition, wide receiver versus cornerbacks. Bigger guys, really no small receivers anymore, and the uh, the defensive back group is is pretty good. And we just mentioned uh, LPJ, who's in from Utah. Um, they also have a safety who's in from Iowa State. You know, so they've got they turned over the roster a lot. And I think Keith Hayward, the the DC, uh, you know, when he came in, Willie, he, he went through spring practice and he was like, "Oof, we got to get some more depth. We got to get some more competition at uh, especially outside linebacker." and cornerback and safety, and they, they added a lot of guys in the third recruiting period. So, Well, and I think the, the energy that competition, you know, the energy that's derived from competition is going to be good for this team because, you know, that's – because once you, once you beat out whomever, then it's your – then you, now you got to prove that the coaches made the right decision, and I think that's going to be good for this team right out of the chute. Well, Raiders have a similar situation, especially uh, on the offensive line, and we got to look at Brandon Parker last night. 
Dylan Parham, the third-round pick, really the first pick for the Raiders, uh, played well. We'll start to get into the Raiders' victory yesterday. Still a lot of work to be done, some impressive stuff. They beat the Jaguars 27-11. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Specifically to Alex, I thought he, uh, you know, he does what he always does. Comes in there and competes, tries to do his job the right way. Um, and he's just put his head down and tried to get better. And, you know, the snaps he was in there yesterday, I thought he did the same thing. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Josh McDaniels talking about the number one pick from a year ago, 17th pick of the old regime. So this regime owes nothing to Alex Leatherwood. I mean, they certainly want to give him a chance. But after that win last night, you know, it's funny. And Arash Marikazi is here with us from uh, from L.A. and <laughs> Mr. Vegas. And, of course, he does his show on the Mighty 1090. It's funny with the Raiders, I almost feel like we're, we're like, too hardcore on certain positions. Right, Willie? Because this is such a star-studded team. We don't really have much of a gripe with Carr. You can't complain about the receivers. The running back situation is what it is. You know it's going to be six guys because it's McDaniels. The defense on the front, you know, the front is awesome with stars. So, like, we are, which means that, that means you're a pretty good team at the skill positions. But so much of the talk here is about the offensive line. It's pretty crazy. That's, a, that's what we're, we're kind of honing in on. That's a good position to be in. But, I mean, the, the, that division is so hard. I mean, just given the Los Angeles perspective, uh, checking out the Chargers, um, maybe, and again, home of the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, maybe the most talented team on paper in the league, the Chargers. And then that's not to, you know, you got the Chiefs, you got the Broncos with Russell Wilson. It is a stacked division. It's crazy. Well, and here's the thing. For months, or months, for years, especially the two that the Raiders have been here, the talk has been building to defeat whom? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. So over the course of the last several years, as the Chiefs have ascended in that division, teams are getting better. So, And I've been saying it's not a matter of that the Chiefs are getting worse. It's a matter that, okay, teams are going to catch up. So the Chiefs are no lock. And I have said – since April, that the Chargers should be penciled in as the favorite, not the Chiefs. The I Chiefs guess. and the Raiders are the teams that will battle. I am not sold on the Broncos mixing into two and three. I think the Broncos have to work themselves out of being the four, and it's between the Chiefs and the Raiders. And then as they beat each other up throughout the season – We'll see who stays healthy to grab that top spot. Yeah, the uh, Chargers have this, like, Clippers thing where on paper, if you were to tell me who's the best team in both leagues going into this upcoming season, I would, like, if, if the Clippers are healthy, if they get Kawhi back and we saw how he looks, if they get Paul George back, if John Wall's even a fraction of what he used to be the best team on paper, same with the Chargers. But there's this feeling that they're like always going to screw up and then you go to that last game of the year like here in Las Vegas where it's like of course they're going to lose that way of course the Chargers are going to find a way to lose that way NFL is king oh for sure and it's it's certainly up there in LA as the the teams you know kind of grow back on the market the Rams it helps when you have a team that wins the Super Bowl but it's still and by the way I I would there's a lot of people who would say the most popular team in Los Angeles still resides right here in Las Vegas. And, and by the way, that will be proven, at least when they play the Chargers. Oh, yeah. My goodness, you walk around 
the tailgating, you walk around the concourse, and the Chargers are very sensitive about that. It is still a silver and black town. Uh, they're going to do it to the Rams, too. Sure. They play yeah. down there yeah, yeah, yeah. on December. We're actually going to talk to Greg Beecham next yeah. hour to do a Rams preview. You know so, who they but, don't But have. Right, right now. Go ahead. Right now is the biggest. You're on the Mighty 1090. Yeah. So you cover some of Orange County. It's San Diego. Yeah. The biggest story in Southern California this week, is it actually what the Padres went out and did? No. So it was, it was a little bit of everything. It was the – Dodgers, it was the Padres, it was Vin Scully, it uh, was yeah, yeah. it was listen, I mean the fact of the matter is tonight's game was a fifty fifty dollar ticket a week ago. Uh, Juan Soto trade passing a Vin Scully, they will do something for Vin pregame. Cheapest ticket to walk in the door tonight is over two hundred dollars. So, listen, it is a Lakers town. It is a Dodgers town. It is becoming more of a pro football town. But, Steve, I mean, you didn't have a team there for 21 years. Mm -hmm. The team that was last there, the team that last won a championship, plays here. And the beauty of Vegas, and we've talked about it and we've joked about it, but it's like it is a 45-minute flight. If you do the drive correctly, it is a less than three-hour drive. It is an extension of Los Angeles, and I say that, that like as a compliment because, you know, they, they have to compete with not only it's the Rams, the Chargers, and I believe the Raiders too because it is such a convenient flight or drive. Arash is with us, Mr. Vegas, Mr. L.A., <laughs> Mr. Calabasas, <laughs> Mr. Manhattan Beach. Um, That's right. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks. That's right. Um, Talk about Scully. You know what? The beauty of Scully was the nicest man in the press room, and I was so blessed that, you know, when, when Chick passed, I was still in college. I got to work as a member of the media while Vin was there. I got to talk with him. It was the only time in my career I talked to John Suhu, the photographer of the team. When I got time with Vin, I said, John, I will never disturb you again. The one request, when I'm sitting down to do my – when I'm sitting down to talk to Vin – you needed to shoot a picture. So yeah, that was yeah. the picture I got with Vin, uh, the nicest man. And uh, you go around the league. I mean, he wasn't a local broadcaster, and we were so blessed to have Chick Hearn, Vin Scully, Bob Miller in Los Angeles, who, like everyone around the country, knows who they are. And the fact that Vin was the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. Brooklyn Dodgers would be on the air in 2000 telling you Jackie Robinson stories. It was amazing. I told the story the other day that when Vince Scully started announcing, um, he covered games with Connie Mack, who was born, <laughs> in, who was born in 1862, and then like guys who were born in the 90s. Yeah, that's that's it's completely crazy. All right, so we got to wrap it up and get yeah. out of this hour. And I know you want to go do uh, Vegas. <laughs> are, you, are, are you in at the NABJ party tonight? I'm going to be there. Listen, I, I love Vegas, so if there's any excuse to come here to see you guys, I, I am here. So I love Vegas. I love that, 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 that we have this convention here. The world, the sports world is descending upon Las Vegas. I love it. And I have some snitches who are telling me that uh, Arash is ready to at least set up some kind of permanent yeah, shop here. Not, not permanent, permanent. Mr. Las Vegas is coming home. <laughs> going to be here all the time. All right. Uh, we'll come back 4 o'clock hour. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar live at Treasure Island.